This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Let's face it, baby, these days, you gotta have a sequel. Ah! Ah! I'm sick for fuck's sake, you've seen one too many movies. Nah, Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. What is going on? I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 291. This time around we are joined by returning guest multi-award winning actor director david arquette he is hanging out with you for an incredibly spoiler free conversation nothing here you have to worry about to get you hyped for scream at time of release in theaters january 14th we talk about the film's legacy reuniting with some of the original cast and the fun of bringing new ones aboard hear about the magic of the radio silence team and paying reverence to the genius of wes craven and kevin williamson's legendary franchise while crafting something uniquely their own plus david tells you how he's bringing back bozo the clown in an awesome way Scary Movies, episode 291 is calling from inside the house. Hello? It's happening. Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott, of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha, I'm, I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is gonna keep coming for you. You ready for this? Never. There's certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground.
screen. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. So joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an exceptional actor, director, producer, and writer. Perhaps most impactful, a dreamer whose journey of not only chasing those dreams, but of making them come true in unimaginable ways, ways one would think are impossible, have also pushed us as he makes it a point of bringing you along with him. You can look to his mind-blowing documentary chronicling his adventure through professional wrestling, becoming a certified Bob Ross painting instructor, following his passion of pursuing the art of clowning. Then there's a TV and film career, the coolest stuff ever made, paired with creators who have changed everything. He is there when you want to put something out there, Truly exciting and different. From Buffy the Vampire Slayer, his work with Robert Rodriguez, Airheads, Never Been Kissed, Bone Tomahawk, Creep Show, writing and directing his very own horror film, The Tripper, and an impressive ongoing history of voice work bringing the most beloved animated characters in the world to life for Disney. This trajectory has earned him close to a dozen awards, an Emmy nomination, and the respect and love of an audience he is consistently challenging in rewarding ways that have the capacity to enrich our own lives as he challenges himself. There is no one else like him. Something the legendary Wes Craven discovered the joys of when he cast him as Dewey Riley in a 1996 horror film that would go on to make history and indoctrinate so many of us into the genre while showing reverence to its legacy. Its long-awaited fifth chapter arrives in theaters January 14th. It is Scream, and we are honored to welcome back one of its stars, the extraordinary Mr. David Arquette. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. That's like the sweetest intro ever. I got a little choked up. That's so awful. Congratulations on this film. And we're going to try and keep this incredibly spoiler free as people are threatening to hunt people down who reveal the film's <laughs> mysteries, which is very exciting. When's the last yeah. time there's been such a fantastic cinematic secret? That's amazing. <laughs> totally. So it's a very interesting time within the genre when this film is coming out. Horror has exploded it's expounded it's evolved scream the original has been such a part of this and you've got an audience who've experienced get out hereditary the witch where does this new scream fit into this narrative what are the traits that make it very much its own beast and bring audiences back again and again well i think that it can reference those films and the internet and the chatter that you're talking Mm. about that it's part it understood the fandom behind all of this world and and that it's like you know that there's worlds inside of worlds already you know which who knows what that'll do in the future like there's so much fun that could be had with you know the understanding of the culture that that it's a part of and that's what i love about it meeting fans like you guys and 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 just uh fans at the conventions where you then like i don't know you see how much it touches people that's sort of why we do this to entertain people and give them like just to give them a thrill and have some fun and uh there's not enough fun in the world that's <laughs> true that's true man now one of our favorite aspects of scream is its very smart way of highlighting social issues and commentary through a meta lens there was a scene in scream 2 that called out horror's lack of diversity the first film's take on teen culture and media and one of our favorite lines from gail in scream 3 popular culture is the politics of the 21st century how do you find that this new film carries on that in that tradition wow that's wild i mean i love to see that woodsboro is more diverse now um i don't know how to really uh explain it just a lot of what's going on in the world is uh is sort of starting to happen with it i don't know 
it's a little scary, bit of a scary world right now. I mean, I've just read online where people are just, you know, becoming ruder and meaner, even at Disneyland. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's pretty important for us to all like, you know, tap into that, you know, heart of ours. And let's, you know, I don't know what I'm saying at this point, but, you know, I think there's, it shows a lot about culture and what's going on in, in especially what's going on online. And being part of this family, right? For 25 years now, plus that's a lifetime. Yeah. But the, yeah. And then we feel like you guys are part of this family too. So that's what's really interesting. And then it builds up and like, and now we have this new generation, like these, these wonderful actors we're working with that then they came up at a different time that they discovered these movies. You know what I mean? That Jack was four when the first, uh, you know, scream came out and they saw the costumes there and you know what I mean? And then they, when they get older, discover all the older films and then they all start watching them together and then they become fans and then they meet us and they're like, we're fans of yours. It's just kind of mind blowing. Really, You're amongst one of the few veterans along with Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell returning to the franchise. Did you get to mentor the new class of ghost face victims for this film? Uh, no, I mean, I, I did a Bob Ross painting session with them. That's like a group bonding exercise. But uh, we went on some hikes and, uh, you know, I had this little uh, three-wheel tricycle that I had bought but the little local bike store. And then I locked it up and gave everyone the the code so if they needed to go because it had like a little basket in the back and we could go shopping that's about the most mentoring thing we did i learned a lot from them like they're so quick-witted and their kind of humor tempo is a little different and you know teaching me about pronouns and like like in a way that like so i could understand it and all this kind of stuff so just i don't know they're like a lot of uh <laughs> they're like a different um great computer that <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm like this all big little tabletop and they're like these little mini handheld devices the boo crew will be right back it rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell the last house on the left here is the first motion picture to offer to the daring a look into the final maddening space between life and death. The last house on the left. Caution. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Sights and sounds far beyond anything you've tested. The last house on the left. Offered by Sean Cunningham Films Limited in color. Caution. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Take as much as you can. Only a movie. There had to be some point or some thought at some point where everybody was looking at each other going before, even before getting into production, how are we going to do this without Wes? So 
just talk a little bit about oh, the ra- yeah. radio silence team through your experience with them and the things they did to honor that legacy, but at the same time, make it their own. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Oh yeah. There was a lot of, you know, it was heavy and like losing Wes was a shocker. And <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I, mean, I just said shocker, and then I was like, "That's a funny re- reference." But uh, uh, sorry. Um, but it was it was a shocking thing, and then um, and then Matt and Tyler just wrote, you know wrote us these letters and told you know I had conversations with them about how much Wes had inspired them to make film make be filmmakers, and. Uh, Guy and James Vanderbilt, the writers, just had written such a beautiful script and they really got the world to. And then I saw Ready or Not, and I just knew it was going to be in good hands. They really had the right approach to it. They really had the right attitude about it. They really wanted to make a film that Wes would have enjoyed. And and I think, you know, if you think on a bigger picture, it can enjoy, like the world can enjoy. And it continues what he built and what Kevin Williamson built. So I'm really excited for this film and for fans to see it and for fans to sort of like, you know, for the world to grow because Ghostface is such an iconic character, like horror character. You just have to like, I want to see more, you know, Freddy movies. I want to see more Jason movies. I want to see more Ghostface movies. Definitely. All the Scream movies have the most incredible props down to the knives and the mask and the robes. Did you get to keep anything from this production? Yeah, people keep asking me that, but I never know. I, I didn't think you could take it. <laughs> I wouldn't know what. I mean, unless somebody had given me something. But yeah, I mean, um, no, I never I never kept anything um, except maybe like the chair back. Or sure. Because yeah. you can have that. But um, yeah, the, the props are always really interesting. And what's really also interesting is seeing them in person because they have a more like they're just a little more extra than what you'll see like in Halloween stores or anything. There's always just a little like a little t- tweak to them that just makes them that much more like scary or interesting or gleam. <laughs> like, you know, there's funny things like, you know, the you know, there was the cop on the ground and there was like blood and then it's just this big plastic, like it's just this big gelatin blood thing that they put down so it doesn't make a mess. But I hadn't seen the, one of those like recently. So I don't know. I think like everything's getting a, even like Halloween, um, like Halloween decorations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, everything's getting like super duper. I mean, there's <laughs> like a BMW that's changing colors. I mean, it's going to get wild. <laughs> I mean, there's like these, you know, second lives people are living online. I mean, it's like the whole thing's going to get even more interesting. So. I'm excited for him. What about the evolution of Dewey? I mean, we first meet Dewey in the original film. He's the young deputy. He's he's the pure light and soul of the of the whole franchise. In the fourth film, he becomes the sheriff, and him and Gail are married. What can you tell us just about the art playing the arc of that character over time, and where he's at now, and how he's been affected by what's behind him? 
Yeah, I mean, Dewey's, you know, he's, you know, by the fourth when he had worked through his injuries and it's like really been, he's now the sheriff. But now when we tap into him now, he's, you know, life hasn't been that kind to Dewey. So it's a little, he's, he's got his limp back. It's a little tough, to, you know, but it's interesting. It's a, it's a, just interesting to see. And then his relationship with Gail. <laughs> It's all, it's all kind of weird because I don't know. It's strange. No, yeah. for sure. How how do you find that your experience wrestling over the years has come out in your acting? Does that affect it? Is it, is it working the same inner muscles as far as performance goes? Yeah, it's really weird. Wrestling taught me a lot to be in the moment a lot more and really take your beats and like really sort of be aware. And like, uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm still jumpy and like a bag of nerves, but it, I do feel like it gave me some clarity and that point in my life, it, it really sort of like was a lot of stuff coming together and kind of figuring out a lot of stuff and getting my, my mind. Right. And then, um, so yeah, I learned a lot through that process and like almost dying and like in that movie kind of opens your eyes to a lot of stuff too. You get a lot more aware of things and grateful for things. You like really kind of lean into gratitude a lot more. Yeah. You try to, I've been trying to stop beating myself up as bad. You know what I mean? In my head, but, but uh, that's an ongoing process, but you know, you just have to keep going with it. But uh, yeah, it taught me a lot about acting and, and uh, yeah, it's still taught, taught me a lot about like violence. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sure. One, one last question we're going to sneak in before we go. Speaking of iconic characters, the most popular and successful children's show in TV history, Bozo the Clown, created back in 1946, a character you now own. Quickly just tell us about the, the chase and pursuit of, of, of owning that brand. Yeah, it took me 15 years to secure the rights. I met Larry Harmon 15 years ago and and really uh, had just loved it as a kid. I, you know, lived in Chicago for a period of time in my, when I was like three to five and and watched Bozo and just like loved like the energy of it, the fun of it, this this world. And its idea is just to bring sort of kind clowns back, like, like lighten the world up a little, like, especially for kids that are kind of, there's a lot of anxiety out there. So there's a lot of fear of clowns. So I just want to kind of like relaunch the brand and have fun with it, make it very charitable to help give back. And I don't know, just try to, be a cause for good and laughter, you know, not even so heavy, like just silly fun stuff. And there's a lot of really interesting, like I'm, so I'm studying clowning from Misha Usoff, who's this like incredible Ukrainian clown. And I'm going to go to healthy humor is like a, a group that uh, works with kids in different hospitals, 15 hospitals throughout the country. And they provide, you know, entertainment and just kind of try to cheer these families and kids up that are going through a hard time. And uh, yeah, so it's all about uh, just kind of doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> Dude, that's beautiful. It's so incredible, man. Wow, that's well, great. Yeah. Listen, we're wrapping up our time now, but David, thank you so much and and congratulations on another spectacular film and another chapter of your extraordinary legacy, man. We we, we love it. <laughs> thank you guys. I really appreciate you. 
That was the Brew Crew Podcast, episode 291. Special thanks to returning guest David Arquette. At time of release, his new film, Scream, is in theaters everywhere January 14th. Production tracks for this one provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.